Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. It's Friday, September 15th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Many homes in the Midwest are not prepared to protect people from the extreme heat brought by climate change. There is no unified code to ensure new homes are built to be climate resilient. The infrastructure that we have now is not built for where we are, and it's definitely not built for where we're going. Coming up, the Midwest Newsroom's Holly Edgel explores what lies ahead for Midwest homes and climate change. Employees at the GM plant in Wentzville are on strike as part of a historic job action by the United Auto Workers. Union President Sean Fain made the announcement last night in an online video. We're calling on GM, Wentzville Assembly, Local 2250, and Region 4 to stand up and strike. The Wentzville plant has roughly 4,000 unionized workers who make Chevrolet and GMC pickup trucks and vans. Workers at a Ford plant in Michigan and a Stellantis facility in Ohio are also off the job. It's the first time the UAW is striking against all big three automakers at once. The union is seeking a roughly 40 percent pay hike, the restoration of pension and retiree health care, and cost of living adjustments. Fain says company profits have soared 65 percent over four years compared to a 6 percent increase in auto workers' pay. GM says the automaker's most recent offer is an unprecedented economic package that includes a 20% wage increase, no hikes to health insurance premiums, and a 25% jump in retirement health care contributions. Cash bail in Illinois will be gone after this weekend. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports Metro East courthouses say they are prepared. The state legislation that ends cash bail, known as the Safety Act, was supposed to take effect at the start of the year. However, legal challenges slowed its implementation. Top judges in St. Clair and Madison counties say the extra nine months hasn't hurt their courthouses. St. Clair County's Chief Circuit Judge Andrew Gleason says his main concern with all the changes will be staffing the new pretrial hearings. This is going to strain resources of the Public Defender's Office, which I'm responsible for. It's also going to probably stress the jail and the sheriff's deputies and the bailiffs in terms of transport. Despite the concern for staffing, Gleason says the judiciary is prepared. They've added one courtroom and one judge will handle all the new hearings. In Belleville, I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Charles is accusing Ameren of moving to drill a new water well without city approval. The Post-Dispatch reports the city has gone to court to stop the utility. A temporary restraining order is in effect and a hearing is set for September 25th. St. Charles officials are concerned the well could further contaminate the area that supplies most of the community's drinking water. The newspaper reports Ameren says the city is misrepresenting the facts and wants to delay remediation. Both sides have been in a dispute about a utility substation in the well field that has led to groundwater contamination. St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones is promoting the city's investment in a tiny home village as a model for other officials helping people who need homes. The city allocated $1.2 million to expand Jefferson Spaces, which provides transitional housing. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. 
Jones wants to see other tiny, colorful homes around the entire region. She says St. Louis is shouldering too much of the burden to house people from across the region experiencing homelessness. She wants regional officials to see the tiny home village off Jefferson Avenue and Martin Luther King Boulevard as one possible solution to the housing crisis. Jones is challenging other leaders to do their part. This is a model that should be replicated across our region to make sure that we have individual spaces for our unhoused neighbors to get back on their feet. Jones says she hears the criticism that the city has not done enough, but says she's working to fund more affordable homes and shelters. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. A previously vacant shopping plaza in North St. Louis County is now a community economic hub. The $20 million redevelopment in Delwood by nonprofit Refuge and Restoration has opened its first phase. Delwood resident Loretta Price says she is encouraged by how the area has transformed. I have watched this renaissance before my eyes from broken windows and boarded up buildings to new enterprises and families coming back to the community. The new R&R marketplace includes a restaurant, bank and centers for career development, co-working, addiction treatment and early childhood education. Early fall-like temperatures make it easy to forget the scorching heat of August and July. But climatologists say Midwesterners need to prepare for more hazardous heat waves in the future. So, are our homes ready? As Holly Edgel of the Midwest Newsroom reports, the answer is mostly no. When you live in a 100-year-old house that remains hot at night, even with your A.C. running full blast you're bound to lose sleep, especially if you're the father of a newborn. Babies don't like 75-degree temperatures. They like that 68 to 72. That's Justin Glisson, Iowa's state climatologist. Many homes like his are vulnerable to extreme heat because of unsealed gaps in aging materials. Heat keeps him up at night. If you can't cool off during the nighttime hours, that's where you're really starting to perpetuate those daytime high temperatures, just bumping them up. And those conditions played a part when four Midwest states broke records for heat-related illnesses at hospitals in August. Scientists foresee an extreme heat belt suffocating the Midwest in the next 30 years. By mid-century, we'll see a sharp increase in days with feels-like temperatures of 125 degrees. The infrastructure that we have now is not built for where we are, and it's definitely not built for where we're going. So it is an infrastructure adaptation aspect that we really have to uh, deal with. It's a big challenge. Alice Hill is a senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Affairs and an expert in the risks and consequences of climate change. She says many homes in the Midwest are not prepared for the extremes that climate change will bring. And the federal government has not established a standard for the construction of new homes and neighborhoods to combat high temperatures. We do not have a national building code. We instead leave the choice about where and how to build to local communities or to states. Building codes are designed primarily for safety. Iowa and Nebraska have statewide building codes. Kansas and Missouri allow cities and counties to make the rules. That can mean some houses in the Midwest are built under much less stringent codes than others just down the street. Even so, Hill says, many of the codes are not strong enough to ensure climate-friendly homes that keep residents safe from extreme heat. They're primarily based on uh, past data 
past meteorological information, and that means that they're out of date because they're calling for buildings to be constructed for a climate that no longer exists much less the climate that we will see in the near future. Hill says standardized codes to create climate-resilient homes could require pricey building materials and methods that keep residents safe and don't create more pollution. But innovation is not cheap. And many builders argue stricter codes drive up construction costs that get passed on to the home buyer. So you've got the developer who wants to build cheaply, the family wants to buy cheaply. So that may be that the developer really doesn't want to have the added cost of resilience. The sweeping climate law that President Biden signed last summer includes nearly $1 billion for low-income multifamily housing to become more energy efficient, water efficient, and resilient to climate disasters. That sounds good to Peter Thorne, a professor of environmental health at the University of Iowa. Different people have different susceptibility to heat as opposed to, say, air pollution. It certainly kills more people, heat stroke, every year than does um, uh, air pollution-induced asthma in the U.S. Thorne hopes the climate provisions in the Biden infrastructure plan are institutionalized, so they remain in place regardless of who is in the White House. The incentives that are coming from the government through the Inflation Reduction Act are, are, I think, a tipping point. Hill says these programs might be helpful for energy efficiency in new construction, but the initiatives don't do much to protect Midwesterners from the climate extremes to come. For that paradigm shift to happen, Builders, developers, consumers, and governments need to work from the same blueprint. For the Midwest Newsroom, I'm Holly Edgel. The Midwest Newsroom is a partnership between NPR and member stations in Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, and Nebraska. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music, as always, by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.